Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Let's Talk ABM with me, Declan Mulkeen, CMO of account-based marketing agency, Strategic ABM. ABM is one of the hottest B2B strategies right now, helping companies to win, grow and retain their most important accounts. This podcast allows me to spend some time talking to account-based marketing leaders about their ABM programs and share their insights with other B2B marketers, wherever you are on your ABM journey. So today I'm joined by Laura Matthews, who's the Senior Manager of Global Account-Based Marketing at UiPath. Laura, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Well, I think I mentioned earlier, this is my first recording after being off for a a, a while uh, on paternity leave. So uh, be gentle on me if you can. And uh, and I'll I'll try to get through the next 30, 40 minutes with questions and and have, have a bit of fun talking about ABM. So the, the, when I was doing a little bit of research, thinking about your company, and 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 I know I know your colleague uh, Nancy from uh, when I spoke to her on a previous episode. Um, I was looking at your website and the whole idea of the robots and stuff, and that got me thinking. So I kind of love that messaging that I saw on your website about, um, and I think it said we make software robots so people don't have to be robots. So, and I was just thinking about all the kind of repetitive tasks that we all do in our jobs every single day. So, can you give us a little bit of a, an insight, something a bit interesting that about an example about how you have helped people, just to kind of make the intangible tangible? Yeah, no, totally, and I I agree. I really connect to it, and I think um, you know when I was looking at roles and different companies to work at, I really aligned to that messaging. We've all done loads of admin. And manual activities in our work but I would also say um, increasingly it's much more about automation for innovation so mm. our customers span organizations like Uber, Royal Mail, Generali so really kind of modern high-tech organizations and then also traditional organizations that are using automation to innovate so for example Uber have used um, UiPath for their global operations to basically automate their processing, uh, their process invoices. They've saved $10 million. Uh, organization, organizations like Generali have used um, automation to do things like health claims and then to do natural langu- language processing. So in terms of the customer experience and customer contact center, and they've had huge savings. I think 2019, 2020, they saved $80 million euros so the breadth and depth of things that we're doing is really interesting and increasingly organizations are using automation as as i said and the uipath business automation platform as a way of innovating so how can they um proactively be mining tasks so like process mining task mining communications mining so i think it's a really interesting space and i think um for myself as the organization is evolving and growing and we are, you know, we are the market leader in automation. It's, it's interesting to see the organization growing um, and the kind of excitement and strategic things we're helping our customers with. Well, it's certainly interesting clients you just mentioned in terms of Uber and Generali, et cetera. And it just makes you think that how much, you know, wastage is probably being done in companies where people should be doing more interesting, innovative work as opposed to repetitive tasks that these software robots um, 
can do in exchange, right? So let's dig a little bit into the the ABM that you're heading up there. I know that you're obviously heading up ABM um, in in Europe for for UiPath. Can you paint us a picture of what that looks like? Industries, what kind of programs you're running? Just a, a picture of what it looks like there. Yeah, so I would say um, just in terms of the basics, we have three ABMers in AMA. So myself and Amir, and then we obviously have Nancy Harlan, who's our amazing leader. Um, we deliver account-based marketing through strategic planning, uh, creating aligned goals. So aligning with uh, the CSM and the seller and the whole entire account team, we're creating a unique value proposition. So we're making sure that our messaging is really specific to the account that we want to engage with. Uh, then we're using this value proposition to create our messaging and our content. Uh, creating a bespoke uh, kind of plan and making sure that everything is highly custom. So that's what I would say is really interesting about our program. Everything is um, quite bespoke at the moment. So we've mm. been touching 60 accounts. So we have been doing our program for one year, touching 45 accounts. And now we have uh, bandwidth and an ABMer in the US to support an additional 15. Uh, and when it comes to industries, I would say we touch upon all the major industries. So financial services, healthcare, manufacturing, energy, utilities, retail, CPG. And for us, the accounts that we support are our biggest kind of spending accounts where we have high potential. So they're usually, you know, obviously you can't share the account list. But if, if you went through the account list, they're recognizable, interesting, interesting names um, HQ'd in Northern Europe or America. Yeah. And just, just to pick up on, on something you mentioned there, I think there's two or three things that obviously jump out at me. One obviously is the, it's, it's predominantly one-to-one, -one, I think, isn't it? In terms of the 60 accounts that you're running um, in terms of the ABM. Secondly, that you've mentioned that you've created a unique value proposition into each one of those accounts for the audience because some people get a little bit confused around what a value proposition is with the, in the context of ABM. What, how do you understand it or how do you explain to, to people what a value proposition is in this context? Okay, so firstly, you said about one-to-one, -one, so I just want to make sure we focus on this. So interestingly enough, when we had our prep call, I said, you know, we only do one-to-one. -one. Inevitably, which is what happens, you know, as a program matures and there's more demand. We've, we've been doing our program for one year. We were yeah. all about one-to-one. -one. And so in terms of our one-to-one -one account based marketing, we were, we were touching those 45 accounts. Then we had some accounts where we were doing some always on activities. Interestingly slash inevitably we've had, um, you know, we're being challenged by the business to touch more accounts. And inevitably, they want us to support more accounts. So we are kind of thinking at the moment, how can we do ABM at scale? Mm. How can we potentially be taking all the different activities that we're doing, whether that's a roadshow, um, roundtable, a webinar for our growth products? And how can we make sure um, we help scale it and it's repurposable across the different accounts? So it is interesting how that is changing a little bit. What I will say um, is unique within our one-to-one -one approach is we basically have um, two options. We either do what we call comprehensive one-to-one. -one. So this is where we'll be doing um, account intelligence. We'll be doing workshops with the account team. We'll be creating that value proposition. I'll talk a bit, I'll address your second question shortly. Um, and then we'll be creating a custom plan focusing on their target audiences. So that's what I would say is, uh, you know, one-to-one -one ABM. 
We also do something called the UiPath Accelerate Program. So this is our champion sponsored ABM program. We call this ABM on steroids. So we need someone senior within the organization that is politically empowered to support UiPath, who wants to be the champion for UiPath. They want to drive a culture of energy and excitement around automation, and we work with them. So we always position it as a win-win. We say, look, you're going to get your return on investment faster because we're going to make sure that you are going into new lines of business, white space, and we're going to be making sure that, you know, our database is growing and we are also... Um, you know, showing growth in these accounts. And we know that the account team have done everything that they can to make the product as sticky as possible and to create this excitement around automation. I would say that um, for me, the Accelerate program is super interesting because, you know, I've done lots of ABM programs where we worked really closely with customers, but I've never seen anything like this. When, mm. where we will go to the customer, we'll get that exec sponsorship. So it will usually be like a chief uh, digital officer, chief transformation officer. We will create for them a, a like brand so we will create for them a mini brand so say they are we might we might have something called like i don't know say it's a finance org it might be like the champions automation champions community or we'll basically call we'll basically make a program brand in their style so we'll use their uh, brand toolkit we'll have a little thing that says automated by uipath in the corner and then all events and activities we do for that organization, we are basically like their events marketing agency. So we bring all our best practices, we fund it, we plan it end to end, but it's really cool because we'll do things. So for example, I have one customer that I work with a financial services organization. We're trying to get more business users um, and developers excited about using test automation. So um, next week, we are running five roadshows. So two in the UK and three in India at their key sites. We've got branding, which is in their customer style. So we have, you know, banners, we have um, everything that you would want for a roadshow, cupcakes, balloons, we're running competitions with QR codes. All our swag is sustainable because they care about ESG. So things like that. And that that is just one element of the things that we're doing as part of the U, UiPath Accelerate program to target their goals, to reach new audiences and to be partnering with them to drive demand. And then separately, your second question was around um, value proposition. Uh, I can't believe I remembered it, but I, I think I did. You did. And about the audience, it was about the audience that we're speaking to. So I would say that... Um, we have a few audiences. So firstly, the audience is often like the chief transformation officer, uh, the chief digital officer, that C-level audience. For them, we are basically trying to communicate and focus on business outcomes. Increasingly, we are seeing that um, automation has gone from RPA, so repetitive, that manual work, alleviating and saving um, and saving money and creating efficiencies for organizations. And it's more about scaling um, transformation and helping them in areas like customer experience and things like that. So we are focusing a lot more with the C-level in terms of that elevated conversation. And we're talking a lot more about innovation. So when we, um, when we, what we do, when we launch these accounts, we do our workshops and we go through with the, um, 
with the seller and the wider team to, to basically understand these people and understand the situation in the account. Um, so we will uh, basically gather our account intelligence. So we'll use platforms like Databook, Sixth Sense, and then we'll also obviously use our own Marketo and insights from uh, the account teams to shape how we speak to these people. We'll, we'll create a messaging playbook. If we are working with a customer as part of the Accelerate program, we will share the playbook with them and we will get their buy-in, which just helps them communicate consistently throughout the organization. I would say in addition to the C-level executives we have, we also have line of business owners. So we're always helping them answer, so what? Like, why does it matter to me in finance, in HR, in customer experience? So I would say quite a lot of what we're doing is we're tweaking our UI path language. We're making it relevant for those line of businesses. And as we do more ABM scale, we have to make sure that we are targeting these business users in the right way. And then I would say our additional, one of our additional audiences is the center of excellence. So within the organization, there's often the automation center of excellence. We need to help them raise the profile of what they're doing. That's what we do a lot with Accelerate. We want them to be able to articulate internally, um, you know, the values of intelligent automation and what they're doing. And lots of our activities help kind of shine a light on them. We're also, you know, helping them in terms of, Sometimes, you know, they say uh, that they're thinking a bit more in terms of like the pipeline and demand and things impacting them. And we're basically helping them kind of focus on the most strategic initiatives and to be able to artic articulate their value internally. So I'd say we have them. And then, you know, there are other products. So, for example, a test suite product where it might be a bit more developers and business users. But I would say um, as our organization has matured, we are talking more to that senior level audience. Does that answer so it, the question? <laughs> yeah, so it does. Yeah, so to summarize, in terms of the value prop, going back to the point, the question around the value proposition, which some people sometimes think is we've already got a value proposition, our organization's very clear about its messaging. In terms of ABM, if you were to answer, what the importance of a value prop is at the ABM level? How would you how would you define that? Importance? Yeah, so we have a we have a unique value proposition for every single account, and that mm. playbook is like our north star for every yeah. single thing that we do. And I think it's so important because it helps the center of excellence and the business users take the conversation to a more strategic element to tie it to business goals to make them and their activities more relevant. And in terms of our marketing into the accounts, it's just it's just crucial from everything, from you know the seller communicating to them, from a BDR following up, from you know making sure that we're aligned to their brand values, from our swag, as I mentioned, ESG and stuff like that. So I would say it's really important, super important. Great stuff. So let, let's talk about when we were talking before, and obviously, you know, things move quickly. So as you said that, uh, when we spoke previously just to have a kind of a, a little bit of prep things can move and then you know you the, the the work you're doing can it might be a little bit different to what we were speaking about before but um when we were speaking before laura you were saying that you know you kind of got a three-year program set up here and that the business is is looking at abm and saying look you guys need three years to get this thing running and get it you know get it powering because of the kind of the the time required now that kind of goes a little bit against a lot of kind of the pressure on marketing to deliver results 
quickly. So how, how do you see that kind of, you know, that relationship between, um, how, did you get any issues getting the support internally to get that time that you need? Because obviously three years is a long time for anybody and it, it, it reflects somewhat the, the complexity of ABM. So I think we've had that, we've had commitment from the business to support this program for three years. So our data really shows that three years is the recommended time to achieve our objectives. We are working in highly complicated, um, you know, distributed accounts, really complicated, big, big kind of beasts of accounts. Um, we are, you know, seeing huge value and we're bringing huge value to our key stakeholders. Are the things that we're targeted on, which is like year on year growth, transaction sizes, campaign responses, engagement in terms of VP and above, that's really important that we look at it from a long term view. Our data shows that ABM is most successful in these accounts, especially when you're adopting a one to one and accelerate view when uh, between the 18 month to three year period. I mm. think that in terms of um, getting that buy in at an exec level, we're really lucky because ABM really supports our kind of go-to-market strategy and the fact that we are, as an organization, focusing on our key enterprise accounts and doubling down and kind of thinking, how can we support them and help their growth? So ABM really supports that. Um, also, just being really candid. Uh, as we mentioned, Nancy's amazing. And I think that some of our leadership had worked with her before and seen the value mm. Mm. of account-based marketing, seeing the results, seeing that, you know, if you do want to have an ABM program and you're thinking long-term and it's not short-term reactive, you've got to invest, you know, from the funds perspective, people perspective, program perspective. So I think we're really lucky because actually in terms of our ABM program, you know, I'm obviously, I'm biased, but it's the best that I've seen in terms of the maturity of the program uh, the depth that it goes into, the tech stack. Uh, so I think it's, yeah, I think it's really exciting, but I think we're lucky to have had that. I think we've had that buy-in and it's helped a little bit because it really aligns to our organization's strategic priority, priorities and because of the, you know, because of the leadership that we have. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of key takeaways for everyone uh, listening or, or, or watching this podcast. I think is the, the fact that you're saying that the ABM program abm strategy completely aligns to what your gtm your go-to-market strategy is and also with your overall corporate strategy right that's number one and number two is that obviously you're working on these key enterprise accounts which clearly are the um the the lifeblood of your organization that these accounts are strategically important to you and therefore working closely to grow them to make them more um to build advocacy within those accounts to get those accounts to um to be purchased of you throughout all their organizations how complex they are etc i think that's abm plays to, to both of those right so i think i think a lot of people sometimes wonder well how do i justify the investment in abm and i think you've I think, Laura, you've nailed it with those two. Um, and I think what we see sometimes as well at the agency is when when we see ABM as being a bit of an outlier and it's not sitting within and answering the kind of the go-to-market strategy or indeed the corporate strategy, it's just being seen as an add-on. I think that's when alarm bells are raised, really, because then ABM won't have the sponsors 
and the support that it requires, right? Um, I actually have one thing as well that I would add to that. So I've seen quite a few times, um, and I'm sure I'm sure you have this. I'm sure you've noticed this as well, where I've worked in organisations where you have enterprise marketing, and within enterprise marketing, you have ABM. So I've done it when I run, you know, regions or industries where you're doing your role, but you're also doing ABM. And mm. actually, you don't have the time or the bandwidth and you don't have the resources to do a proper one-to-one -one ABM. So then you do something called ABM Lite, which basically means if some sellers come to you and you need additional support, they need additional support, you might be able to help them, you might do a few things. And then inevitably within one year, that program gets um, reprioritized and, and something else is the focus, whether it's like CXO roundtables or um, I don't know, industry content. So for me, I was super strict when I took this role. I was like, okay, how is this going to work? Is this a real commitment? And, you know, I, I really just don't like, you know, I understand people have challenges, but I did not want to take a role, which was enterprise marketing with a tiny little bit of ABM. And I mm. saw that across three or four roles that I was keen on, that it would be enterprise marketing. And then within it, you'd be expected to set up an ABM function and do some ABM. And for me, it just did not feel like, didn't feel like, best practice one-to-one ABM, it's just felt like personalized marketing. Yeah. No, I think it's a very, very good point. I think ABM is, it's it's full on and you've got to really deliver and you've got to really invest in it both from, with your resources and with your people as well. So let, let's, you mentioned about technology actually just then and, you know, a lot of the technology vendors have obviously captured a lot of the headlines through their marketing and a lot of people think that ABM is synonymous with, and uh, technology is synonymous with ABM and obviously I think you and I would both agree that's not true but talk to us a little bit about the technology you use there and perhaps answer the question which technology if you had to choose one that you couldn't live without which which one would that be? Yeah, so the tools that we're using are things like kind of what you'd expect so your standard Marketo, Salesforce, Six Sense, Follows, uh, Databook, On24. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, I hope I haven't forgotten one. But I think that for me, the one that we get the most feedback and we kind of actually joke that, you know, Nancy should be getting commission is Databook. So this account intelligence tool is just really, really useful for sellers, particularly when they're doing things like account planning, we know that when they when an account changes over, sometimes they don't have the time or the you know, the they have all the deals going on and they don't really they need that support on the account intelligence. So I think DataBook is really good, and then also personally, one thing which I don't think is is used as much as I think it should be, and I use this on a kind of an individual level is Crystal Nose. Have you mm. used Crystal Nose before? Yeah, I do use it. Yeah, I do. So if any of like the audience aren't aware of it, it's basically a really cool tool and it basically uses predictive data and it mines your LinkedIn or whatever to guess what your personality is going to be. And then it helps you in terms of how you speak to a prospect or a customer or even in an interview situation. So I'm obsessed with Crystal Nose and that's why I use a lot personally. Did, did you check out my LinkedIn profile with Crystal Nose before you Yeah, of course, to... of course. And I always, I always do, I always do customers as well. But it's really good because it helps you. It's like, how do you present yourself? Um, what should you focus on? Yeah, and yeah. It, but it's also really interesting when you have teams as well. How, in terms of like going onto things like diversity of thought and having different perspectives, I think it's really interesting as well. I've used it a lot for interviews and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I think I've done it with a few colleagues as well in the company and a few friends of mine in previous companies. And it, you know, because we've known each other for so many years, I think the results are pretty accurate, actually, in terms of what it says and how you should approach and your presentation style, your level of detail, how flippant you should be or how how more data focused you should be. And I think that helps a lot to um, to know your messaging, going back to your point earlier. Yeah, um, let's just you talk about your program there. Um, I'm not sure what, what, what you can share in terms of, are there any results you can share with us about the impact of the success? Anything that you can, any headlines? Yeah, so we've been doing our program for one year. And as I said, you know, the best results are 18 months, two, three years. I would say that, you know, account-based marketing at UiPath has full support from the leadership and it's showing the results that we want it to, want it to show. You know, we mm. really aim for as a minimum 60% growth year on year on all our accounts. There are some accounts where there are 60, there are some accounts where there are 90, and there are some where there are even more. So yeah, our results are very positive, but I'm excited to get through that year two to year three stage and, and kind of see the growth as well there. Well, I'm sure you'll probably end up sharing it at some point um, once you've got that kind of full picture. There was something you said to me when we were chatting earlier, Laura, and hopefully it hasn't changed since we were, since we were chatting. But there was something you said to me, which was that your team's mantra was helping sales to make the deal bigger. And that kind of really kind of jumped out at me. So a couple of questions really here. Um and I think you've answered already in terms of what the reputation of, 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 of ABM within your sales team there. And also, um, what do you think is the number one thing that you do as an ABMer to make deals bigger? Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've said this. I feel very lucky that um, we have huge support from our leadership, from sales, from CSMs. I would also say that, you know, everything that we are doing also underpins what our other marketing colleagues are doing. So industry marketing, PR, customer advocacy, and we are one part of the UiPath um, customer experience and their mm. interactions with UiPath. So, yeah, we have yeah great feedback. Our team mantra is helping sales make the deals bigger because we are, as a team, we are super metric driven. We will, of course, always be flexible and, you know, consider what is best for the account and the account team. But we really focus on, we kind of have that line of sight in terms of where we can make impact. So in terms of the number one things that people can do to make their deals bigger, I would say deploy the, the UiPath Accelerate program. As I kind of mentioned, as a minimum, we see 60% year on year growth. And those companies, you know, we are working with automation center of excellences. We are working with CTOs. They are not experts in running roadshows, in events, mm. in capturing excitement and energy. They're, they're running events, but they're not registering people or following up. And we bring our best practices and our expertise and we partner with them. So I would definitely say that. So in a funny kind of way, you're almost being their kind of outsourced agency for them to be able to to sell the benefits of their of the automation and the and the digital transformation that they're doing as individuals or teams within their company right i would say not just sell the benefits i would say drive demand we're here to drive demand and create a culture of energy and excitement around automation 
That, well, that sounds a lot better than what I said. So <laughs> we'll stick with your version. So there's another thing you said to me actually, which really because I've got I come from a sales background before moving into marketing, and so um, you said to me that um, that you feel more sales than marketing sometimes. And I think you said to me that you'd, I think in the last 12 months or something, you'd attended 86 customer meetings. So that, and that, that's not your average marketer. You know, you, you and I both know that's not your average marketer. So is that, do you think that's what separates ABM from other marketing strategies? Do you think that's what separates ABMers from other types of marketers? Hmm. So thinking about this. Um, so I think that... Um, by nature, ABM is, is more customer facing, but it also depends what kind of ABM you're doing. Because if you're doing uh, ABM one to few or ABM at scale, you're probably going to be interacting with customers less. Interestingly, like you, I've also worked in sales and I'm kind of mm. on that. I'm always like, do I want to work in sales? Do I want to work in marketing? So I think that ABM is really appealing from that perspective because you are so customer facing. I would argue, though, playing devil's advocate, that you know, the more senior you get in an organization, if you're a CMO, you should be interacting with a, with a, with customers as much as that. So, yeah. yes, I would argue that yes, ABM is very customer facing, but I think it's great practice if you want to be a CMO, right? Um, and I feel, for me, that I I personally do feel closer to sales just because. I spend so much time with them and I spend so much time in account meetings, um, advising them on everything, maybe even you know tactical things, seeing LinkedIn posts and saying, hey, that's so-and-so from our customer, you've got to engage. So I think that, um, yeah, definitely for me, I feel more like I'm in sales because of the amount of time with them. Having said that, I'm really lucky to have um, a really supportive marketing function in Amir and globally. So um, I feel really lucky to be able to learn from them as well. Yeah, I think there's also, I was just thinking about a previous guest, Christian Weiss over at um, Autodesk. And he made this kind of analogy that um, about ABM being like a, you know, for the customer being the driver in a Formula One car. And that everyone, the ABM team, the marketing team, the sales team, the customer success team, like that image of the pit uh, pit stop where everybody's trying to make the car go as quick as possible. So I think there's that kind of like customer obsession, kind of customer centricity that I think ABMOs have because they just focus on the accounts and those customers as opposed to the kind of, you know, wider metrics of, you know, impressions and, and, and all the rest of it. And um, don't, don't get me wrong. I would also say we're very, we're, we are very metrics focused. And I think that's sometimes a bit of a, bit of a misconception about ABM. Like, you know, sometimes we'll have to be flexible because we're working with customers, um, but we are very metric focused. And I would also say as well, what I really like working about with customers is you get real-time feedback and you're often having to negotiate between the customer's aspirations and what they want and what UiPath wants. And I really like that just in terms of keeping my, you know, my brain occupied and being challenged. So it is, it is, it's fun in that way. That's good to hear. So another thing actually you said to me before, because I've made lots of, you know, copious notes about when we had our chat um, and it made me smile a little bit was you said, um, you talked about ABM magic. And I think you said um, that you were passionate about how you could use ABM to make customers feel magical. Tell me tell me a little bit more about that. Okay, so this is a phrase I learned at a tech company. I won't say the name, otherwise this will get stuck in PR and approval for a very long time. 
So basically, insert a tech organization magic. It was a concept that we got taught, and it was basically that you would go to an event and you go, wow, this could only be organized by insert tech company. And what it really is, is it's extreme attention to detail and personalization. So it is things from a beautiful venue that has really strong sustainable sustainability credentials that is run by someone from an underrepresented group. And I think it's, I would say it's like really going above and beyond the level of personalization. So I obviously knew this concept and I've tried to apply it for myself in terms of ABM magic. It's like, what, what makes our program special and what makes the experience special as someone? So I would say, I'll give you a practical example. And then I'll also give what I think of my mental guidelines I think about. So, um, an example is I did a CXO roundtable last year, and it was with a consumer goods organization that really could care about sustainability. So we were lucky. We had our co-CEO, Daniel, attending our chief product officer. It was in a beautiful venue, and it was going to be an afternoon tea setting. It made sense to be afternoon tea because a couple of people were coming because of Wimbledon. So again, tied into a nice Wimbledon thing. It felt very kind of British in that sense. Um, and what I did in terms of adding what I think would be ABM magic is, first of all, we had this beautiful, it was a really beautiful venue, uh, really nice food and, you know, just like making sure you check those things. Uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful table. And as our kind of exec giveaways, because usually you have something, I had these notebooks created that were made from apple peel. So sustainable. And then I had, because it was an afternoon tea theme, I had these little uh, biscuit tins and the biscuit tins are all sustainable, really pretty and can be repurposed. And then inside there were biscuits and these had been decorated. So they were like our UI path robots. And we, you know, if you look online, we have loads of different types of robots and the logo. So when you open up and it was in beautiful packaging, you go, wow, this is amazing. And I was thinking about it in terms of the context of when you're an exec, you always get these things when you go to events, but what could they, A, use that was sustainably sourced or recyclable, created some element of magic and creates that dialogue when you get home with your family. So you go home and you take your biscuits with you. You can share the biscuits with your family. They were beautiful. They were from a small supplier, which again is really important. Um, and it just makes people feel like it, like it's a cohesive experience and it, li it aligns to their brand values. And then I would say there was someone there who was um, who had a gluten allergy. Mm. So I made sure I sourced the absolute best gluten free hamper that you could get basically in the UK. I made sure the branding was the same. I made sure that things are sustainable from local producers. So I would say like, things like that are really specific. Uh, just as a practical example and then i think it's about for example with like the swag that i use i won't i don't have like horrible plasticky swag it has to be sustainable plus inclusive so you know you have to be inclusive to different audiences and their their different needs and preferences and also that element of magic so i always try and think sustainable plus inclusive plus magical so it kind of ties into the theme and then finally my my also my theory is like we're really lucky as marketeers that we get to do our job. It's really fun and creative and strategic. We should be spending our money with um, organizations and vendors that are sustainable, 
or are doing things to try and champion inclusivity. And when you think about, and I think about this all the time, the next generation of buyers, so Gen Z, they really care about DEI and sustainability. So I always think like, how can I use my marketing spend via and from UiPath in the best way that's going to get return on investment uh, for us, but also is with, um, you know, great suppliers. So that's just, that's, that's my kind of point of view on it. I think it's a great answer. I think it kind of shows people how you can add, add some magic to your ABM strategy and how you engage and 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 create an emotional impact with your um, with your customers and with your accounts. Just some very rapid fire questions, just to finish off with Laura. So, um, quick one, really about um, you've been obviously been involved in ABM for some time now, and um, we often talk about ABM as being a journey. So, what do you think is the the greatest learning you've taken from your journey so far? I think, okay, two things. So one of the biggest challenges in terms of challenge from the learning, uh, from the journey, is that um, everyone, every seller, every every customer, whatever, has had an experience of ABM before. So one of the biggest challenges have been has been articulating what ABM is in specific organize in the specific organization you're in and keep reinforcing that and reinforcing that and reinforcing that so i think that's mm. been one of the biggest challenges and then i think as you get past the first year you understand your job a bit more you know how to make impact in these accounts for me it's like always challenging myself and it's kind of like you know that 10x thinking so say we have a financial services organization and there is a one million dollar deal this year how can we make it bigger what other white space should we be getting into how do we connect with more business users? What are the lines of business? And actually, like forcing myself to think bigger, and therefore getting the account team and the sellers and the CSMs to think bigger. I think that for me is my biggest kind of challenge for this year. Great couple of learnings there. Um, three more questions, very rapid fire. What do you think is the hardest part of doing ABM? I think managing the demand when you have like really engaged sellers and CSMs. Just managing the demand, being across 15 accounts, being able mm. to pr- focus on the focus, prioritize the most important things, but also make your sellers, especially in the first year, buy into the program, feel like they have a special ABM ABM support. And uh, yeah, definitely managing the demand has been the hardest thing. But it will also be the case, the more successful you are, the more demand you're going to have, right? And that's where you think about how do we scale efficiently? How do we make yeah. sure we can repurpose things and, and just how do we scale? So it's a different challenge, but it's, it's a good challenge to have. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. Um, what do you think the greatest misconception is about ABM? Um, I would say the greatest misconception. Well, someone once said to me, someone who works in finance said to me, isn't ABM just basically handwritten notes? So I think that it's that extreme level of personalization. I think, yeah, so I think people that don't get ABM, I think having to explain what it is and how it's different to marketing. Um, and I think what the other thing is just the true depth and breadth of things that we're doing. So for me, it's I'm doing um, physical events, virtual events, round tables, roadshows, on sites, creating customer brands, doing customer workshops, doing customer meetings, doing direct mail, maybe helping with some customer advocacy, doing something that's gonna help PR, really tactical things like telling my sellers what to post on LinkedIn and how to engage with their customers, 
So the whole breadth and depth of things is actually very different, I feel, to enterprise marketing. And I think that is the misconception. And I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, doing so many things, and we track what we do on our kind of, we have like a tracker that we do. And when we pull it up, we have this beautiful pie chart and it shows like all the color and the variety of things that we're doing. But one of the challenges is communicating how much you're doing because you're so busy doing it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you've beautifully kind of listed a whole bunch of things that, that an ABMA does that perhaps a business doesn't realize. Very, very last question for you, Laura. It's um, Friday night. You're just about to shut your laptop down, grab a glass of uh, Chablis, and uh, you get a call from an old colleague of yours, and they say, hey, Laura, I've got to go and present on Monday morning an ABM strategy. What's that one piece of advice you give them before you crack open that bottle? Oh, so are they doing it from scratch? Are they... Okay. Well, they're, they're presenting it in, in a new company, put it that way. Kind so they may, they may have done it before, but what's that one piece of advice you give them for that presentation on that Monday morning? I would say you need exec... Well... I'd say you need exact buy-in to the program and you also need to decide the type of program you want to do. So are you going to do one-to-one? Are you going to do one-to-one and a bit of one-to-few? Are you going to do one-to-many? So I'd be figure out your objectives, get your exact alignment, and then probably after they've done that presentation, figure out your account list and also hire passionate people. Well, you, you deserve that bottle of wine now, so uh, or yeah. at least one glass. So, I've got customer Laura, meetings. So- <laughs> yeah. Got to go, go to my customers. <laughs> yeah. Laura, thanks so much for uh, sharing your ABM journey with us today and all the best to you and the whole team there at UiPath and uh, wishing you every success. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for letting me be a guest. Really exciting. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Let's Talk ABM, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Feel free to rate and review this podcast. Thanks so much for listening.